Welcome to the Soul Mama podcast, where we have deep and honest conversations about healing, awakening, spirituality, and wellness on this sacred journey of conscious motherhood. We ask how we can walk this path in a way that nourishes, elevates, and heals us and our children. We deserve space and time to slow down and tune in to our hearts, to heal ourselves, and to honor our highest callings. It starts with us. I'm Nahanda Truscott-Reed. I'm a mother, holistic wellness coach, writer, and speaker, and I am passionate about all of the ways we can raise our consciousness and come into more alignment and power as women and mothers. So we can heal the past and make more empowered choices for the future. Our stories and voices matter. It is my intention that these conversations inspire, motivate, and move you on your own Soul Mama journey. I'm so honored that you're here. So this is part two of the conversation with Rochelle Saliga Garcia. If you haven't already, you might want to check out part one where Rochelle and I speak about her life and her work. In this conversation, we're going into a lot more depth about her vision for the future and about her work in postpartum health. I hope you enjoy. The vision that you've created with the Starseed Root School. Mm -hmm. So I've seen you speak about this online and it sounds like you've just come into the place where you've seen some land that you're hoping to secure. And it sounds like you're really taking the theory of community and your understanding from your work and your, and your life so far and really channeling that into a, a, a reality that others have the opportunity to contribute towards or, or, or be a part of and actually experience that. Um, it'd be really nice to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. So Starseed Root, so it's Starseed Root School of Traditional Healing, and it's me and my husband and my elder, Donna Maria Camps, who have created this, I mean, really over the past like 10, 15 years, you know, created the vision for this. And so it's now we're like solidifying the vision because it has just been a vision, you know, um, and what our project is, it's like a two main part and it's part of it's this idea of revillaging, right? Like coming back into um, a community way of life. And the other part of it is a school of traditional healing with the understanding that um, when we're talking about healing, healing isn't just within like certain realms. It's like with everything that we need to remember at this time, right? Like how to be with our bodies, how to be with the earth, how to be with each other, you know, rites of passage ceremonies to honor our transitions in life. It's, it's all of it. In Mexico, their traditional form of school was called Calpuli in Mexico. And Calpuli is, um, you know, a core group of people that come together for the purpose of intergenerational learning with this multi-level understanding that like we need to teach the children so that the children grow up into initiated adulthood, mature adulthood, so that the Calpuli would have its core value of what they're working towards, what they're focused on. Okay. So Calpuli is from the Mexica nation. Okay. And the Calpuli, this concept, then we're layering upon it the reality that what we're really needing to do at this time is remember 
how to live in this way. These are old concepts, but we're bringing it into the modern time. And none of us feel or work from the place of like, oh, we're trying to go back to something how it was because we're moving forward. And I actually feel like that's the purpose of culture. And that's the purpose of human evolution is we're moving forward. So while we can be rooted in um, these old ways, these traditions of our respective lineages, we're also creating a new future, you know? So the idea is this Kalpuli, this school of traditional healing, but for the times that we're living in. So star seed root, because it's based upon star nation teachings that we're planting in the earth now so that they take root for the generations to come. So that's the the vision of it, right? With this focus around midwifery model of care and the primal continuum of human life and the importance of ceremony in our life, the importance of rites of passages and all like this. And then what we've been doing over the last couple of months is trying to bring that down, trying to materialize that. And it's really fascinating and disturbing. I mean, it's not like it's surprising of how all the systems that we're living under in the modern world are really set up systematically actually to prevent these possibilities of communal living. Okay. So, you know, it's going to be different state by state in the United States and country by country. But when you start looking into zoning laws and housing laws and like this, I mean, we used to live in Oregon on the Pacific coast of the United States. And a big part of why we left Oregon was because there's these laws out there that say, even if you have 40 acres, which is a very large piece of land, you cannot have more than five unrelated adults living on the 40 acres, right? You, you can have three separate houses, but only one kitchen is allowed. I mean, just like weird things like this, you know? And then out here, as we, now we live in New Mexico and as we get into like the, the structure of how to make things possible, um, really what you start to get into is like how wealth, uh, functions Mm -hmm. and how the system is developed, has been developed to support the horizontal transfer of wealth. So wealth within family systems. But if you try to transfer wealth outside of family systems, it's damn near impossible. I mean, there's, there's ways around it, but the financial structure that we're living in really globally is designed for wealth to transfer just between families and to prevent um, the redistribution of, of wealth, you know? So as we look into like fundraising and doing all these things that we're doing, it's just incredible to understand on a structural level, how all of this is, is set up within the system to not be possible. So it is possible, right? But they make it super hard. (laughs) Super freaking hard. I've been in like the biggest like puzzle piecing, strategizing session of my life over the past few months, trying to understand and talk. I mean, I talk with so many lawyers and so many nonprofit organizations and, you know, this person and that person and financial advisors and, and people to really figure things out. And I feel like, I'm like starting to figure out how to make it possible after months. And then you deal with real estate 
And that is a whole other corrupt dysfunctional reality. So, I mean, my report back at this time, honestly, is we, we finally figured out how to manifest this large property out here that we have found. And like I have done a tremendous amount of work to today submit all of our stuff so that I could do a home mortgage loan and then have money come in from donations and loans over here. And yesterday I got an email from the lawyer of these people of the land who say they just decided they do not want to sell now. Oh no. Oh yes. After months and months. And so like today at this moment, we're just sitting with that of like, what? And so we're just integrating it still and, and figuring out our next step, you know, but I just say that because, um, sometimes people again think like something's wrong with them because they don't know well, it's like all of our structures that we're living in in the modern world are set mm-hmm. up to prevent community from happening and that's on purpose right because it's actually in our togetherness that we're strongest right. and and to understand on a very physical level like that even the structures that we're living in i mean whatever language people want to use but like the homes the buildings the way that we're relating, this is rooted in, in patriarchy, okay? Because this has all been designed by men. And quite honestly, it's like the unhealthy masculine, which is often like white European male physical structure that we've all been solidified in, in these yeah. nuclear family bubbles. And then we wonder what's wrong with us, but it's been created like this on purpose. I know you speak of the the kind of, paradigm of death that we're living in in this moment mm-hmm. you know in the sense that none of the systems are really serving for for health life. well-being for life for thriving and it just brought me back to this really deep sense of grief that I had when I did black history studies mm-hmm. where we were looking at the uh, I guess the systemic efforts that have been made over time to thwart and to control and to break down and to dehumanize black people through time. Mm -hmm. One thing would be education. And then let's look at the disparities in education. And then we look at the health system and let's look at that. And then Mm -hmm. let's look at the financial system. And then let's look at, and and it was literally like layer on layer on layer on layer. And Mm -hmm. it just, it really highlighted to me how how invisible but insidious these systems are, the systems of oppression. And -hmm. people think that oppression is only for a specific community or race or group of people, but we're all suffering from it. And I think we forget that. I really feel like this whole situation that's happened with the coronavirus and the global pandemic has been a real revealer around how those systems are being utilized and how they can be utilized to to put us in spaces of fear and control and dependency and so for me the goal has always been self-sufficiency to be able to create a new narrative to be able to challenge what being a woman of color means to be able to challenge what that historical narrative has been for my family and my lineage and to create something new but 
the, the struggle that you just mentioned to me sounds so familiar of all of the people in community that I've been aware of who've tried to do things in a different way, who've tried to set up a school or tried to set up a movement or tried to do a different kind of uh, financial distribution. And it just seems like these small pockets get kind of sprung when people get really impatient about something that needs to change, but it doesn't lead to long lasting or widespread revolution. That's what I'm really calling for and yearning for and trying to be a part of is that like, you know, it takes everybody to kind of awaken at the same time for us to be able to utilize our people power to actually break these structures in ways that are meaningful and don't just change for a short time for a small number of people, but actually really transform. And I know you're going through that. And so you don't necessarily have the answers on what that is, but I wonder if in your spiritual grounding and with the work that you have with elders and with the the influence that walking that path in your life has had whether there is an understanding of how we navigate this space of wanting to really be a part of change but also living with structures that have been put in place to keep people down Mm -hmm. totally (laughs) I think about it all the time I mean you know like there's two parts to it. And I feel like the first part is I feel that it's really important to maintain a balance of accepting reality as it is. I'm not saying liking reality. Okay. But I'm saying like looking at reality as it is straight in the eyes and seeing it for what it is without any sugar coating, just as it is and accepting it, not liking it or being in agreement with it, but accepting it simultaneous to having um, a steadfast vision for reality, how we want it to be. Because what I track in a lot of people is some people will just accept reality as it is so much that they don't do anything to create change. Okay. And so they're just stuck and, and not utilizing their gifts or their capacities as humans to create something different. Right. And then on the other hand, there's some people who can get so fixated on reality, how they want it to be, Mm -hmm. that they're missing um, the lessons that need to be learned in reality as it is in order to transfer that over it for it to inform the reality that they want to create. So it has to be like both, you know, it's like we have to really accept and see for what it is the world we're living in dysfunctions and everything okay not like or agree with but accept and and be able to sit in peace with reality as it is and then simultaneously we need to use that fire of who we are and what we're pissed off over here about how reality as it is and use that to create change. Mm. The second piece is how I always feel about resilience, right? Because everyone's going to have a different way to define what resilience is. But resilience to me is accepting, like seeing reality as it is and then adapting to be able to thrive. Okay. So that's what resilience is. If we know that this entire system was designed to destroy life. Okay. And that's accepting it. Doesn't mean I agree with it, but that's seeing it for how it is. And knowing that these structures um, were purposely designed to destroy people, to destroy life, to destroy families. How do we adapt within reality as it is in order to be able to thrive. And that thrive means health and wellness and, and joy, 
Okay. And so that to me is like this kind of simple template that I look at and I come back to like, can I change this structure? Okay. Or can I just see that it exists? And what is the adaptation that needs to be made in order to not get plowed over by that? Okay. So I'll give an example in case like some that's confusing to some people is like, um, in my twenties, I was really in resistance to money. I was really like, fuck the system. I don't need money. And, and you're like that now. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. And I'm, and I'm realizing that I also need it to live. Right. So it's that, right. that double. Yeah. So I'm sure you're going to speak to that. Let's hear yeah. <laughs> I met my husband when I was working um, with midwives in Mexico. My husband's Mexican. And then we had to do immigration paperwork. And all of a sudden I found like, oh, now we need money. You know what I mean? And I found myself more entrenched in the system and more in need of money than I ever had in my adult life. And then we had a baby and I was like, oh my God. And we were just so, so poor the first couple years of my daughter's life. And it was so much of a struggle, you know, and uh, like really bad, really bad, not enjoyable kind of thing. And when my daughter was maybe about three, I wanted to do some work for myself and for her with this pre and perinatal psychologist for our healing. And I remember Mm -hmm. there was this woman who I had worked with before and she used to offer sliding scale and now she wasn't. And I looked at her price and I was just like, like there, there's no way in hell that I could have paid that at that time, you know? And I felt myself starting to get pissed off because I was like, this is so wrong because who can afford this? But I found myself being like, what if I just accepted that and I just figure out how to make money to pay that? Because what if me being in resistance to this structure for the rest of my life isn't actually going to change it, you know? I just found this peace in that moment and it really opened up this doorway of acceptance to me. Not acceptance of like, I love capitalism and patriarchy. It wasn't like that. It was like acceptance of I'm living at this time and at this time there's money involved. And at this time, if I want to do all of these things that I want to do, I need money. And the more that I like really accepted that instead of like fighting against it, which had been like my norm, you know, always fighting against it and fuck the system kind of thing. And then I just like accepted it and been like, it doesn't mean I need to sell out. It doesn't mean I need to like do really shitty things in order to make money. It just means that I accept that that's how it is. And I accept that I'm open to make money doing something that is in integrity with myself and in alignment with life. And I accept. And the more that I just got into this place of acceptance with that, like the more money I started to make, like the more doorways started to open. And I feel like it's like that with everything. What I do know is that I'm not going to spend my life fighting against things that I don't believe in. Like that's not what I'm doing with my life energy. And I also made that clear distinction when I was 22 of like, I'm not spending my life fighting against something that I don't believe in that's rotten. Like, oh, I'm going to fight to change the rotten system. No, it just needs to like not exist. So I'm going to spend my life energy like building and creating that which I do believe in, right? So Mm -hmm. it's not that like this doesn't exist. This exists. I acknowledge it. I see it. I accept that it exists. And I am going to focus my energy on creating, putting forth my life energy into what I want to see grow. 
that's like what is in the realm of my capacity to do as one human. And then I'm not living my life fighting in resistance, but I'm living my life in dedication to grow beauty. You know, my life is dedicated to grow beauty and health and wellness and sustenance and and joy. And I feel like that that is the long term so that when I die, I can die in peace knowing that I did everything that I could do to grow beauty. I feel like that just needs to be accepted for a minute and just really heard. I feel myself in that so much, that sense of resistance to what is, that sense of this is wrong, it should be different, you know, why is it this way? And really, you know, wanting to fight, wanting to be active, wanting to really be part of the change and not necessarily knowing where the best place to place my energy is. Mm -hmm. And obviously for me, working to support women, you know, through this, this transition, as for you, has been one of the strongest callings to really provide what I felt like I needed so much myself and to have a container of safety and holding for women. Um, that has really helped me to focus on those moments where I'm like, there's a big thing over here that I really want it to change. And there's a big thing over there that I really want to change. And then there's like, okay, but what can I do right now? And what's going to have the biggest impact for the women that I'm serving right now? Mm -hmm. And so I wondered if you could just speak briefly a little bit about your postpartum training and how that's evolved. So I call it innate postpartum care certification training. And what I feel like my big mission is I am working with birth and healthcare providers, right? I'm not working with mothers, but my work is on working with healthcare providers who are going to work with mothers. And the reason that I feel um, called to do that and like, that's my thing is because, um, because that's who postpartum mothers and families are going to seeking advice and whether we like it or not, really, when we're in these roles of wellness practitioners, healthcare providers, birth supporters, whatever it is, when we're in those roles, like we are in a position of leadership in our communities. So I want to work. That's what I love doing. I like working with the leaders in the communities because I feel like if the leaders who people are looking to as living examples can be in right alignment, can be impeccable. When I say impeccable, sometimes people think that's like somehow the same as perfectionism. And I'm not talking about perfectionism. Impeccable to me is like taking responsibility for ourselves, right? It's for our energy, for our life, for our words, for our actions. It's living in integrity so that what we think and what we say and how we act is all one way. That's how my adopted dad taught me about integrity. Integrity is when we think one way, speak one way, act one way, that's integrity. And most people are living in insanity. They think one way, they speak another way, and then they act another way. And if we could, as birth and healthcare providers, get it all in one way, in integrity, and take responsibility for ourselves, that to me is impeccability. And I really believe and feel like in a visceral level, that's how um, healers traditionally were for all of our respective lineages. Like when people were in these roles of healers, they were impeccable because they had to be a living example. And in and through their living example, the people had someone to model 
their own behavior upon. And so I'm working with birth and healthcare providers foundationally because of that piece, because I feel like if we can come into our rightful leadership roles, like in a healthy way, in a humble way, um, then we can create big concentric rings of change in our respective communities. And then what I'm teaching is rooted in postpartum wellness and not postpartum pathology. You know, it's like at this time, unless you've gone like a traditional medicine route, you know, um, a traditional medicine route or a traditional midwifery route. Um, those are the only lineages, right, that still have frameworks of postpartum wellness. But any modern day healthcare provider or birth professional um, has only been trained in postpartum pathology. Like there is no framework for postpartum wellness. So then how can you as a birth or healthcare provider professional um, offer to a mother and family a framework of how do you create, sustain, and maintain postpartum wellness if you've never received any teachings in it? And the answer is you can't because all that that these modern day professionals have received is how to like look for and diagnose and treat um, sickness and dis-ease, okay? Mm -hmm. Instead of understanding how does that dis-ease get created in the first place? How do we prevent that dis-ease? And if someone is in a state of dis-ease, how do we get them out of it through creating balance in their life through wellness practices, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I teach really from from the human design, like what is our physiologic design? What is our psychologic design as postpartum mothers and families for that matter? What is the design? And so then when we look at the design, just this understanding that we have a map to follow of how to create postpartum health and wellness. So what I know through, you know, just me being a human and my personal inquiry and the things that I've learned is that all of these postpartum traditions from like intact systems of postpartum care, these postpartum traditions truly are a translation of our physiologic design. So that's why you can look at a postpartum tradition from Mexico or from China or from Russia or from India, and they're virtually the same because they're simply rooted in what does a postpartum mother need physiologically, psychologically in the postpartum period to thrive. And then here's the practices, you know? So it's teaching um, the physiology and psychology, which to me feels like a unifying principle of the human race, because it's the same for us, no matter where we are on the planet. Thank you. Thank you for your dedication to this work. Whenever I've heard you speak and talk through and exemplify your your teachings and the things that you share, it always resonates so, so deeply. So thank you for sharing that with me today and with us. Um, I think if there was something that women could take, women who are on the motherhood journey themselves, uh, to really move into this space of alignment and into this space of thriving, What's one thing that you would be able to say? I think it's that guiding post piece of like when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel depressed, when we feel anxious, like for sure, you know, there's an element in there of like, what is ours, right? Because so much is revealed to us in terms of lineage healing through our motherhood journey. And that's the design. And there's nothing pathological with that, you know, um, to understand that 
that our children in every age that they are. So when they're one, it pushes the buttons of who we were and how we were treated when we're one. It pushes the buttons of who we were as a five-year-old. And, and so all along the journey, it's really an opportunity for our own healing, but like healing's not always easy and healing needs support. And to understand that, like, we're not meant to do this alone. We're not meant to mother alone. We're not meant to be a human alone. And there's no sign of weakness. There's no sign of deficiency because we need support. So I think just to remember that as a guiding post, like we're meant to be in community with others for our own health and wellness. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. We could talk for hours, yeah, I'm we sure. Could. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. We'll leave it there for now. Yeah. And best of luck with all that you're doing, all that you're working on. And may you continue to serve in the greatest way possible. Thank, thank you, you so much for having me. Wow. That conversation raises so much about the way that we as a society pathologize the postpartum period for mothers. It raises so much about how it was for me personally and what I see reflected back to me with the other women I support too. If you are a postpartum mama and you are struggling, you are not alone. If you want any more resources, you can check out the links in the show notes, both to Rochelle's work and training and to the one-to-one wellness coaching support that I offer through the Soul Mama journey. Let's remember, we're in this together. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to www.soulmamajourney.com for more resources, including the Soul Mama blog, the show notes to each episode with links and references to everything mentioned, and for more ways to work with me one-to-one. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at soulmamacoach for more personal shares and updates, and you can email me at nahanda at soulmamajourney.com. I so love to hear from you. Share the love with your friends, family, and anyone who would benefit from listening to this. And if you could take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, wherever you've listened to it, that really helps more people to discover it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Stay blessed.